The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Insights to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. I hear from executives all the time that they hear that poor communications is costing their companies billions of dollars. And that's well known too, by the way. So how do we improve our communications around our brand to better engage clients, prospects, and to keep our teams motivated? To answer that question, Judy Jerna. Judy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joel. And as always, it's great to see you. Thanks. You know, uh, you have a long and distinguished uh, career in uh, broadcast journalism. You've interviewed some just tremendously uh, successful and big time people. Uh, In fact, it's probably awkward for you to be interviewed instead of being the interviewer, you know. So uh, we're turning the tables on you here, which is going to be kind of fun. Who are some of the big time people you've interviewed? I know you've had some some big ones. Well, you know, I, I, for my television career, I had this wonderful opportunity to meet and interview people like Regis Philbin and Larry King and, and more recently, Phil Jackson and uh, Meg Whitman and just really high profile people. And it, it's, and then by the way, I really gleaned a lot of the communication skills that we use in the Jernet Company for executives, because these people are at the top of the game. These are iconic personalities and influential personalities. And I watched how they communicated and connected. And that's where I learned a lot of the uh, basis of our, our communication skills. But what I well, what, what what makes these people so great at what they do? I mean, why why are they so good at communicating? And what is it? Well, first of all, they tap into their own personal style, and that's the best that you can do. And when we coach people for communication skills, speaking skills, uh, executives, they're going to talk to the media. Find your style. Find your style of leadership, the way that you communicate. I mean, for instance, you know, Phil Jackson, he's a very cerebral kind of coach, but he had, what, 11 rings that he won, you know, NBA rings for the basketball court. He's not going to be dancing and prancing on anybody's stage, but he's very cerebral. So when you when you interview him or stand next to him, and in my case, sit next to him because I was interviewing him you feel like you're going to get smarter just being around him. So he has his own distinctive style. He's not trying to imitate anybody. Regis Philbin had his style. Larry King had his style. Uh, you know, going all the way back to 60 Minutes, Mike Wallace, who was famous for, for needling people, you know, really going after people. Everybody's got their style. So if leaders can find their style of communication and, and build on that, but the main thing is, is to communicate to people as though you're talking to them one-on-one. And I think that's the skill of, of anybody 
who's in the public eye and on television all the time. That's what people always said about uh, President Bill Clinton was that uh, anybody, and I never met him, but anybody who ever spoke to him has always said that he made you feel like you're the only person in the room or in the world. Uh, he was so good at that. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, and 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 I did meet Bill Clinton a couple of times, and he is exactly like that. And in fact, in fact, Joel, what I just love about this, and this is for every executive CEO listening right now, if you're delivering a speech to motivate the troops and inspire and see the vision and 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 be influential and 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 follow what you're wanting, what you're wanting the company and where you want the company to go, have a conversation in your speeches. Bill Clinton never delivered a speech as though he were delivering a speech. I mean, he had a conversation with you. And even though he was talking to millions of people, it was as though it's you and I talking here right now, one-on-one. -on -one. And he did have that gift. And, and I've seen yeah. him do it. In you know, you know you're talking about that personal style. Uh, there, there's a lot of talk about uh, authenticity. Is authenticity and personal style the same thing or are they different in... Uh, I think they're a little different in terms of, I mean, authenticity to me rings true if you're, whether you're on a stage, whether you're leading a meeting or whether you're one-on-one -on -one with someone that you are very authentic to that audience, to that person that may different, be different than your style. style I see. You know, so, so, yeah. so authenticity maybe has more to do with consistency across platforms but uh, personal style is your style. Exactly. Uh, I, I, okay, yeah. that's great. And, and you know, interestingly enough, uh, if people weren't on a stage, we all do have a style, like it or not, we have a certain style. Right. It's whether or not we're able to carry that onto a stage with us. Is that right. kind of what you're saying? Right. And, and, and it's, you, you've met people, and I'm sure that, that I, mean, I have along the way, that they, they're one thing on stage and there's something else off stage. Then I wouldn't yeah. call that's an authentic, I'd say that's a good speaker, but, but it may not be an authentic speaker. And, yeah. you know, and there's a, there's a, a multi-billionaire that you and I both know, and his style is so, he's ultimately successful, right? And when you talk about affluence and, and monetary and the wealth that he's accumulated, but there's no way that you could look at him in his style, even before he opens his mouth, that you could look at him and not know that this is an ultra successful, affluent person. And that means that he's done a lot of things right in leadership. And, but the, but the way he is dressed the, the kind of car he drives, the way he, and he has, in a one-on-one, -on -one, he's got excellent communication skills, but he really looks at you when he's talking with you. And he has that same kind of uh, style that a Bill Clinton did, that looking at you, even though there may be, you know, 500 people in the room. So, so let's, let's, let's talk about, because we're talking about communications. This is kind of advanced communications though. This isn't basic stuff. I mean, what are, what are leaders doing to get other people to want to follow them along. I mean, what, what are there some specific things from a communications point of view that these people are doing? You know, I want to I want to give you an example. I was up working with a company in in Seattle, a tech company, a division of GE. And I was there for a week. They were having a problem with their sales. They they had a 16 million dollar product. The, the the product was priced comparably to the competition service agreements all the same, but they were getting in front of the client but they weren't making the sales. So they brought me in for a week to work with the sales team, the marketing team and the VPs in charge of it. By my third day there, started on a Monday, by Wednesday, everybody had been raving about the CEO, raving for this division. And so finally I said, let's get a scribe here and find out what's so great about the CEO. <laughs> Why are you all raving about him? He's not even in the building, he's on the East Coast. And they said, and I love this, when he's on the stage, 
he gets off the stage and comes down and talks to us in the audience. Now, you and I see professional speakers. We do it all the time, right? But the average CEO does not. And they said he also, when he's not on stage, he will ask us how we are doing. He'll remember something about our wife or our husband or our children or our trip. And it's a very, very intimate conversation, even though it might only be 30 seconds, you see. So it's that connectivity, it's that engaging, and it's thinking about the other person. And I think that if leaders, you know, leaders oftentimes, because they're so time conscious, so they're always thinking about bottom line time, bottom line time. Maybe that that 30 seconds that you spent or two minutes that you spent with someone can make all the difference in the performance that that employee delivers. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes makes a lot of sense. So, so one of the uh, so one of the secrets then would be to uh, just uh, be engaged with your with your group with your people and get them. And that applies not only to CEOs. I mean, that's uh, managers. I mean, whoever is managing anybody, uh, people are always looking up to you. And and if you're doing that, then you know you have to try to you know be personable and kind of be involved with them. Yeah, is, that, is that a big piece of it? It's 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 absolutely true. And then also, and I say this to anybody who who's in, as you just said, managers, leaders, uh, entrepreneurs, any type of any 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 executive firm, any all of us are in a position of leadership because we're always helping lead our clients to some kind of solution, some kind of result for them. But we worked with a, a CFO who was made CEO. Well, the person was in place for a year and it wasn't working, so I was referred in by the chairman of the board in the PR firm. And, and, and it took a different style of communication in terms of becoming more inspirational, more, more motivational, and more influential in terms of dress, how, how this person communicated with the board, and how they communicated with the staff. Even though technically the skills were there, the, the, um, the leadership term in terms of people development and in terms of influence just was not there. And so- the right, person- so, so listen, so- uh, common wisdom says you can't get blood out of a turnip. So <laughs> well, there's one we'll write down, Joel. <laughs> well, no. So, so uh, to what extent is some of this uh, teachable and to what, to what extent is some of this innate? In other words, you took a CFO uh, who probably didn't have the uh, outward personality or whatever you were describing and you helped them develop more style. How much of this is teachable? How much of it's not? It's, it's all teachable if the desire is there, if the desire is strong enough, and if your positions re- your position requires it, so a CFO to, to CEO, different set of skill sets, different set of people skills, different set of how they relate, uh, how they relate to the community, how they do media interviews. So if the position requires it and the desire is strong enough, people can learn it. And we've taken people who just hated speaking and then we had a letter from one that said, you took me from a stiff and turned me into a ham. Well, I'm not sure that we'd go that far, but, <laughs> but he did get so he absolutely enjoyed it because his job, he was the vice chair of Credit Suisse, his job required that he's on a stage talking to people all the time and you know, for the, for internationally. So he said, well, I, I'm, I'm Swiss, I'm not demonstrative. And I said, well, your job position <laughs> asks you to be demonstrative and at least while you're on that stage. So it, it's all teachable coachable, if you will, if you have the willing executive who really wants to learn. And and I can tell you, Joel, I've been doing this for more than two decades, and I would say that I've only had one failure. And, and, and not a failure by his standard or the company standards, but because I know there was so much more he could have done had he wanted to. Let me, let me understand, uh, try to understand something uh, maybe that's a little more sensitive. Do you, do you think that these skills vary between men, women, 
people of color? Uh, you know, are there certain things about the cultures of different communities that make people better, not better? And, and how do you cut through that uh, situation to make everybody the best that they can be? Well, sometimes, you know, we work with a lot of both women and, and men. So I just want to address that first. Sometimes women are a little, uh, they'll have an issue with how they talk to people with their voice and, and their voice can clarify that they're not sure. Uh, and, and men, by the way, have the tendency to trail down on their voice. They start out strong and then they, they trail down. Women will tend to do up talk, what we call up talk. Joel, we're going to have a meeting tomorrow. Well, it's not a question. We're having a meeting tomorrow, Joel. So, <laughs> so, you know, so it's not a question. So, so there's some of that. But in terms of culturally, I mean, there are some cultures that are just naturally, I don't want to use the word shy, but they're not as, as, as demonstrative as, as some people might be or as outgoing. But there again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fall back on my story about Regis Philbin. You know, he is not a dancing, prancing, screaming coach. You know, Phil, by the way, this is for all of us. He could meditate right when the game was up to, you know, who's going to win, who's going to lose. I mean, that close, he could do a meditation to center himself. So he has a different, this goes back to style again. And so, so if you're, if you're naturally a shy person, you can learn the techniques of how to deliver good communication skills. It may not be natural for you, but you can learn it, but there's certainly, you know, what we like to do. And I think this should be of any coach, by the way, for whatever skill you're working with, you pick on this, pick out the strengths of that individual and you work on those. So if you've got a cerebral coach, uh, you know, I heard the, and I know his name escapes me. I think it was Ken Chenault uh, speak at American Express at the time. And, and he's also not, not like a, 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 like a Jack Welch who you could speak and fill up the room. You know, I mean, he, in, in very different style. So you have to take that, that executive and build on their strengths of their communication style and then help them get rid of the distractions so that they actually start to enjoy it and like it. Yeah. So listen, I, I guess that the, uh, the bottom line is if they want to change, they can change. If they want to learn, they can learn. Uh, it just seems like uh, for some people, uh, I, I've noticed a lot of women lack confidence and, and that's maybe, uh, you know, comes from an early age or wherever it comes from. And, and so they really need to uh, probably work harder than men who maybe are taught to be more uh, forceful and they probably need to be taught to calm down you know, because they're not effective with all audiences either. You know, Joel, let me come back to that for a second, because I think this might surprise you. It certainly did me, not anymore, but it did in the beginning when I first started doing this kind of work. I would get emails from people or letters or notes and still do to this day. And we still coach the majority of, I would still say it's probably more men, 60, 40, we coach than women. But because men are much more likely to invest in themselves as a rule, not always, but as a rule. Uh, and oftentimes, if a company is sending group coaching, they may send four men and one woman in the group. So that just tells you a little bit about where we are in terms of leadership. But the one thing that I have noticed with all people in terms of where they want to go with this will just depend on, they, they've got to believe that they can do it. And women... I always thought that that men, I, I'm like you are, I thought too, in a way that women seem to not be able to express their confidence as much. And we can come back to that in a moment. But the, the common word that I get from men and women, but mostly men, is you improved my confidence. That was shocking to me, shocking, because many of these people are heads, of, you know, they can get thousands of people to do what they want them to do. They're already very successful monetarily. But that word will always come up. My confidence has increased. My confidence has improved. I was stunned by that, stunned. But I think that's because we can be very confident in some areas, but not confident in areas that we don't feel we excel in. 
Well, do so, you um, do, do you encounter imposter syndrome a lot? I mean, do a lot of these people uh, worry about them not, not being good enough, men or women, whichever they are? I mean, uh, do they worry that they got promoted above their level, uh, you know, or, and that they're not capable enough, they're not good enough, they're not worthy enough, whatever? I mean, men just kind of hide it better. I think, uh, men, I think men hide it better. You know, it's not my story, but I heard of a man that was offered a job in, job in Singapore or something, and he didn't he didn't really know what the job was, but he took it. And someone said, well, you don't know what you're doing. He said, no, but I'll learn. You know, So, so I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not sure that that a woman would do that. You know? so, yeah, that, that's uh, not a universal trait yeah. across men either, by the way. Yeah. I mean, not a lot of people exactly. have the uh, the horsepower to, to just jump in and say, okay, let's let's give it a try. Yeah. And women are always, you know, one woman said that she was an executive uh, VP and she said, she says, I feel like sometimes I'm a parent to some of these people. Now, I've never heard a man say that before, but in terms of you need to know how far you can stretch people and I don't care what position you're in. If you're trying to motivate and lead, uh, you need to know how far you can stretch people, you know, in terms of their skill, their competence. Listen, it's very, uh, the way I look at it, you got to stretch people, but not break them. Yeah, that's a good line. And and that's an, it's an art form to know when you're stretching and and when is too far. And, And a lot of parents don't know when that is with their children. They push and push and push, and then they ultimately end up doing damage to their kids, don't they? So uh, adults are no different. We're just big children in a certain way. Well, and that's the thing. You know, people will say to me, like sometimes, well, how do you get so much accomplished in such a short period of time? And I'm working with an executive. And it's and this is what I say to everybody, is that you have to build the trust. You mentioned that word earlier, so that people know you're on their team. You know, like when we're in an advisory position um, for people, they need to know, I have no agenda except for them to be more successful. So in other words, I'm not part of the company. I'm the person that comes in with outside expertise and I'm just working for your well, your well-being, your promotions, your influence, the skills that you want without an agenda. And people have to be able to trust that. And that's how you help stretch people, by the way, in their growth and their transformational work. When we're into transformational leadership, they need to know, even in communication, Joel, people need to know that, hey, that's why I say build on strength. They need to know that you are really there for them. And that puts you in that trusted advisor, whether it's communication skills, presentation, or transformational leadership. Yeah, that's, um, listen, we're, uh, these are, these are all big topics. Let's stay back on communication though, because that's really what your, your, your focal point, your expertise is. So um, how do we, is there a difference between communicating with the team on the inside and communicating with clients and prospects on the outside. Uh, is there a way for you to define the difference between those things? Well, I do think for one thing, I just to, to answer one part of this question that you didn't ask, but I want to get my answer in there. So, okay, so, there, yeah. so that I think you have to once again, realize that that internal communication is equally, if not more important than external communication. Because what happens internally is going to affect everything, you know, the the bottom line, the profits, the monetary. But I do think that that's where we come back to authenticity. You know, if you're one way to your staff and you're another way to clients, you've lost the the authenticity and the congruency. So I think you want to treat your your employees as well as you treat your clients. Yeah. You know, the other thing that uh, you said before uh, about, you know, about advocating for the clients and, and and the people who are on your teams it leaves some room to not be right all the time. And that's another thing is, you know, leaders tend to be embarrassed if they're not right. They feel like they have to know all the answers. And 
uh, in a certain way, uh, a little bit of vulnerability, which, which I'm no, no expert at by this is not any, I'm not telling you I'm all that great at this, but a little bit of vulnerability does go a long way. You know, you used, you took the word right out of my head because that's exactly what I was thinking that, that the, the, best and the brightest will be vulnerable. They're, they're open to showing some vulnerability at, at some points. And also the fact is that that I love what you said. And, and I was working with the, about a dozen CEOs and one of them at lunch came up to me and he said, and I couldn't get a read on him, by the way, couldn't get a read on the body language or anything else. He was right smack in front of me. Um, but I, and I know everybody deferred to him. So he must've been the, the most successful CEO in the room. And and at lunch, he said, and I he said, I wanted to sit next to you because he said, I wanted to tell you something. And I thought for sure it was going to be like, I didn't get this program or whatever. He <laughs> said, you know, because he didn't look too happy. And he said, all through the presentation, he didn't look too happy, by the way. Um, and so, and so he said, I want you to know that he said, after this talk today, after this program, he said, I know now why I lost my key executive. It was my communication and it will never happen again. Now, you know, it's the funniest thing. There are just some people, most people are readable. Most people, yeah. you know, there are a few people in the world uh, that just are impossible. And there was one guy, I was doing a seminar. It was a three-day program. The guy's sitting there, stoic as could be, uh, arms crossed, uh, kind of like, a, you know, like a frown on his face. And I went up to him at, toward the end of the program and I said, you know, it sounds like, it looks like you're not enjoying this too much. He says, are you kidding me? This is the greatest program I've ever been to. I'm like, if this is how you look at the greatest program you've ever been to, I, I can't imagine what something else would be like. It's just, there are some people that uh, they, they do it either on purpose or that's their style, but uh, you know, it's. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because a novice speaker, and that's why the CEO didn't bother me. I went right onto my program and didn't just play to him, you know, because I'd had enough experience by then. But the first time I ever spoke on behalf of the TV station was over at UCLA and, and the bleachers were filled with people. And the woman who was the closest to the stage, she looked like I was giving her a headache the whole time, you know, just like this. And she was the first one out of the chair, kind of like the advice, that she, you know, probably like the feedback that you got from that man that came up to you and said, are you kidding? And, and she's just said, oh, I kept internalizing this and thinking how I can do things differently with my staff. And then, and so you don't know, but I do, I will say to anybody who's not used to speaking a lot. Do not play to that person that doesn't look like they're enjoying it because they may be getting more out of it than anybody else. You know, that, that's a that's a really hard thing. Uh, speakers draw energy from the audience, and and they uh, they they need a little bit of support from the audience. It's really important. And by the way, I mean I tell speakers all the time that the audience wants you to succeed. The worst thing in the world is for them to see you fail. It's 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 as painful for them to watch you fail right, right. as it is for you. And, and so they want you to be successful. They want to have a good time. They want to have a good program, the whole thing. So, uh, but there just are some people who don't uh, express body language the, the way many of others well, of us do. And it doesn't matter whether you're talking one-on-one, -on -one. you know, people will say, I'm just great one-on-one, -on -one, or I'm really great after five minutes into the, uh, into my speech. And I go, that's fine. Except everybody's mentally left the building, you know? So, uh, you know, we need to be out there right at, right, right when we start, we need to be out there. In fact, in Kobe, we have the collaboration of Brilliant Entrepreneurs Program. Um, we, we encompass everything in this about building the brand as well as the communication aspect, because everything, everything in relationships, when they say this is why relationships break up, it was, it was because the communication wasn't there. And when I started reading statistics of, of, of something like $64 billion is lost on poor communication to companies. And it's, you know, the, the, the managers or whoever trying to save time and taking what should be a 10 minute conversation and try to make it a minute conversation may end up doing three months worth of damage control. So this is what we try to help people avoid. 
Well, the, the opposite happens too, where somebody will take an hour to say something that could have been a sentence in an email, you know? So, uh, <laughs> well, that's true, Joel. And see, this is the other thing with, and, and I, and I mean, we both know how busy, how busy everyone is. And especially when you're in a leadership position, management, management position, but it's just the idea of that taking sometimes that 30 seconds and knowing who, I mean, if I'm working with some CEOs, if I called them and, and wanted to spend 15 minutes with them on the phone, they'd go through the ceiling. Right. And, but somebody else who is really into the relationship aspect of it, they may want that 15 minutes, you see. So it's just knowing the difference. I mean, there are some clients I can't call because I know I'm going to be on the phone 15 minutes. If I wanted to be on 15 minutes with most CEOs, that wouldn't happen. But by the way, I do want to mention before we before we run out of time here, that what we're seeing a trend in right now with, with leadership is relationship building and leadership from the personal aspect, not from strategic and the plans, but one CEO emailed me over Christmas and he said, I need to improve my leadership skills in terms of how I relate to people, how I talk to them both internally and externally with clients as well as my team. And I think we're going to see much, much bigger trend in that because people now, you know, the one thing we learned in in 2020 is that we need to have more communication to keep people motivated, to keep them connected, not only to to the the team, but connected to the vision and connected to where the company is headed in terms of of, uh, profit so and financial. And so we're seeing more huddles, if you will, more frequently and shorter. So the the message that I hope everybody gets out of this is it, it, it doesn't take all that much time to take some time with with your teams and let them know that you're connected, that they're connected to you, because it's hard to motivate people, especially if we stay and if we continue to stay more in a, in a hybrid situation where we'll be working partially remotely and partially in person. Well, let's let's talk about this work from home uh, phenomenon and the hybrid thing, which is you know, looking like it's going to last a long time. Um, how does communication between uh, the manager, the leader and the team change when everybody's not in the same building together all the time. Yeah, it I mean, does. people are used to dealing with clients who are not in their building, but the team, that, that's a different story. So what are you seeing and, and how are people dealing with this? Well, one thing we're seeing, as I mentioned, the huddles, you know, people want, they want to be connected more. So maybe they'll have a huddle in the morning, you know, for 10, 15 minutes. Where so what, what does that mean? Go on well, Zoom? Yeah, they go on Zoom. For, they go on Zoom and it may not be with the same people every day, you know, maybe with different people, but it's the idea that people need to know that there's someone there, that they're not just out there, you know, at their, their, in their island of their home, you know, by themselves. So they know that they're connected. And you may put teams together and see teams doing more communication. And you may see the leadership more involved in the communication aspect, but it needs to be frequent. And the other part of it is, is that people, you know, I've heard people talk about accountability and they have keystrokes that they can measure whether people are actually working or not. You know, it's kind of big brotherish, um, but they, they have that ability. There is that ability on software. But I, I tend to think more that people are more motivated by knowing that they're being heard. And that's probably the biggest trend now is for people to be able to express a little more what's on their mind because they're fearful too, you know, about where, where the country's headed, where they're headed, where their job is headed, where their future's headed, um, you know, whether they're going to be cutbacks and whatever. So I think that to be able to let people be heard, um, it's kind of like, a, you know, one company that he said, we have a sign in, the doctor's in, uh, you know, that they put up and so that, that he's available to take, you know, take some questions from people. So there's a lot of different ways to stay connected and engage 
engaged. But but those are two words that I think that we all need to to take to take to heart: connectivity and engagement right now through communication. What about, um, you know, one of the things that it seems like leadership is kind of ignoring: if people are not in the office, uh, a lot of their connection to their friends is evaporating. And you know, what can companies do to help people be better friends? Uh, you know. Uh, when they're not all in the office together. You mean the teams to be better friends? Yeah, yeah, I mean because don't you don't you think that that bonding is important? Oh, I absolutely do and I I don't and I don't know if there's going to be a, I'm going to use the word cure. I don't know if there's going to be a cure for that because we all we all tend to like in person the best of all, you know, whether people want to go back to work in terms of the commute, you know, all the time. And as we said, we're probably going to be split up a bit for, for a few years, I think, uh, working from home, working. There are some people that love working remote, but there are other people that that miss the the around the water cooler, you know, so to speak, conversation and that connectivity of running into Joel in the hallway, you know, and saying, hey, how's it going? Uh, those casual kind of conversations. So what I do think is going to happen in terms of the aspect of it is a lot of companies are doing special things right now. They're having pizza parties and they'll send out pizza to all their employees and just make it totally fun. Nothing to do with business. Um, or they may have lunch on the company and they send them a certificate to get lunch wherever they want it. And then they set up a meeting where everybody just talks about just catching up. So there's a lot of different ways to stay connected that doesn't have to do with that. It doesn't have to be a meeting, but it has to be more fun. Uh, and we're seeing people now wanting to meet the family, you know, so that people go, oh, you know, Joel, I've heard you talk about your, your two-year-old. Uh, let me let let me get a chance to see that two-year-old. And then, you know, how they bring their dogs to work. Well, sometimes people have their dog on their lap, you know, and so there's a lot of different ways to have that personal connection so that we feel that there's still some, some of that, um, that, that interpersonal, we want those skills. We want, we want to touch with people. Look, we're social, we're social people. We were born to be social, right? And that's that emotional connectivity that we talk about. Yeah. And what do you, what do you think, um, clients can do to uh, improve the quality of the communication with their clients and their prospects. Frequent. That's going. Phone is kind of dead. I mean, it's not working. You know, it's interesting. I was talking to some people about why, uh, you know, the technology companies are so powerful. Well, if you think about, you know, uh, 40 years ago, AT&T was one of the most powerful companies and they had to be broken up uh, because all we had was phone and mail. That's all we had. So, uh, you know, now we've got 50 different ways to communicate. It's very confusing. What do you think is a trend going forward in terms of connecting with, uh, with, with people who are outside of our companies? Well, there's a lot of texting today. You know, that's the texting, texting is becoming much more popular. I mean, mainstream more popular than it used to be. That's one thing. But I think the key word here is going to be frequency. You know, the more frequent that you can stay in touch with your clients, and it depends on how they like to be communicated with? I mean, how they, do they want you to call them? Do they want to have that Zoom call with you? Do they just want to get an email from you? And I'm going to give you just one quick insight here about communication. You remember, of course, we all do 2008, 2009, what happened to our economy? Well, the first three meetings I had in January of 2008 were about there, one was one person was complaining. One meeting, the person was complaining about his lawyer. One, the next meeting I had, the person was complaining about their financial advisor. The next person was complaining about their insurance company. What do you think the complaint was for all of them? I you haven't heard from them enough. Haven't heard from them. Haven't heard from them. They haven't gotten back to me. They used to be so attentive. Now, of course, this was a disaster that was going on financially. So some people tried to avoid it, but it's just like a good media story. Uh, if there, if, if there's a big, big expose out there in the media. The story's not going to go away without you giving it attention, you know, without you addressing the, the, the media and the public both, by the way. So the communication and the frequency, but there again, to know how your clients want to be communicated with and at what times, you know, some may say to you, you know, if you could reach me on a 
Saturday, that'd be great. We could spend a half an hour together, you know, or whatever. Other people want it's just strictly email. And some people are, are zoomed out, even though Zoom is such a great technology and what would we do without it today? But they'll say, can we just have a, a plain old fashioned phone call? <laughs> you know, just to check. Yeah. You know, Judy, this this really this is what what you know I see as the inside track, the best, smartest, and fastest way to, you know, build those uh bridges with our customers, with our clients, with our um our teams is, you know, it's, it's, it's very regular communication. It's high quality communication. It's authentic communication. All the things that you've indicated, uh, those really provide the inside track to just being the best, smartest and fastest uh, ways that companies can do better. And, and I uh, thank you for sharing those things. Thank you for being on the show today. And I uh, listen, and, and I appreciate our friendship too, by the way. So I do thank too, you very much I do for too, that. Joel. And, and, and everything that you mentioned, you know, it also builds loyalty. You know, boy, when we hear from people and they, they know that they care about us as, as individuals, that builds a lot of loyalty as well as helping to improve the monetary profits of companies. And as always, well, I like being with you and I like our interview, even though it was more like a conversation. It was fun. Well, good. Well, listen, thank you very much. And uh, thanks for sharing your wisdom. Thank you. See you soon. See you next time. Bye. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a huge thanks to our podcast show producer, David Wolf, and the team at Autovita Studios. Profit from the inside wouldn't be possible without these wonderful professionals. To learn more or to find out how you can launch and produce your own podcast show, reach out to www.audivita.com. That's A-U-D-I-V-I-T-A.com. Produced by Audivita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.